0: But we come in and we've got something excited, something to be excited about tonight that uh, is more exciting than a football game. As much as I love football, as much as I love sports, you know, we come in and we gather in God's house and uh, we draw strength from one another. Yes, we do. And uh, I enjoy these services. And anytime we can come together, it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing. We're going to be doing it for an eternity, so we might as well get used to it. But I'm going to take my passages of scripture first from the book of Mark. I want to preach on the subject tonight of there is a cost, and this has to do with yeah. discipleship. I think when, as Christians, um, I remember I was telling my kids, I said, this is where I got saved right here. It was this spot. And I remember when they used to sit up here with uh, Michelle and Michaela would eat chapstick. <laughs> I think that was Michaela. I don't think it was Carson. Carson was Carson ate other things. <laughs> But uh, I remember them growing up here in their early years. And uh, I remember this is where I first became a Christian was this very spot right here. And um, as I got older, um, as I started to grow, as we start to grow in our faith, um, you know, we want to take steps in our growth. And every time we take a step, um, there's going to be a cost, whether it's finances, whether it's friends, whether um, whether it's job, whatever it may be. Every time you take a step for Christ in this direction, um, you've got to pick up that cross and follow him. And there's something that you have to leave behind. Amen. Um, but that flesh is always going to battle every single time. We always war with the flesh, and that's never going to stop until we go home to be with Christ. But that, that war is there. It reminds us of what side of the battle we're on. I think I heard Pastor Mike say that years ago when I was a young Christian, and that's always stuck with me. Is we should thank God for the battle because it reminds us what side we're on. It reminds us of our faith and our strength and where it comes from. And so, in Mark chapter two verse thirteen, Mark chapter two verse thirteen, I want to read two verses here. It says, and he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus sitting at the receipt of custom. And said unto him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Now, if you will, turn over to book of Matthew, chapter 4, verse 18. It says, And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers, and he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And you don't have to turn here, but in Luke chapter 5, 10 and 11, it says, And so was also James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So, And the thing to take away from those three, those three books is those three words and followed Him. They followed Him. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to gather in your house. We thank you, Lord, for the songs that we've heard, Lord. And if we could just have the faith of a child, Lord, childlike faith in everything that we say and do, because we know that when kids get up here, they're, they seem fearless, God. And I pray, God, that as you said in these passages, Lord, fear not that with whatever we do, whatever you call us to do, that we do it without fear. And I know that we doubt and fear at times, but I pray, God, tonight that we not let fear and doubt choke us out in this life, Lord. I pray, God, that we're not gripped by those things. We're not controlled by those things, but we know that perfect love casteth out all fear. And we know that perfect love lies within your name. And I pray, God, that we just cling to your name here tonight. We draw strength from your name. We draw strength from the cross here tonight, Lord. And I pray, God, that you give us what we need. And I pray that we draw near to you for just a little moment here as brothers and sisters in Christ. And what a wonderful thing it is to be a part of God's family. It is a big family. And I pray, God, that you bless us just for a little while. Hide your servant behind your cross tonight. In your name we pray, and amen. Amen.
1: Amen.
0: You know, thousands of men, women, children, have followed Jesus since his birth, since his death, since his burial and resurrection. But in reality, in the huge swing of things, when we look at how many people have lived on the earth over the years, it's only been a few because the Bible says few there be that find it. And so when we think of what it means to follow Christ, you know, we have to look at our own lives. What does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to you to follow Christ? What do you believe about Christ? And I said, I think the most important thing about us is what comes into our mind when we think of Jesus. So what comes into your mind? What comes into your heart and mind when you hear the name Jesus? Is it savior? Do you know him at all? What does Jesus mean to you? And I think that's the most important thing in this life, no matter what we do, because at the end of this life, we are going to stand before God and I'm going to give an account of the things that I've done. And if the world were to judge you as a Christian, Would there be enough evidence to convict you as a Christian in a court of law? If you were to be put on trial for your faith today, would there be enough evidence to convict you with your words and your actions? And those are things that we have to think about. So when we follow Christ, do our words and our actions match up with what what we say we are? And it doesn't mean that we're perfect. God doesn't expect perfection, but he just wants us to be perfect in faith. And that just means to trust him in every single thing that we do. Because we are gonna fail, we are gonna fall. But it's who we turn to in our failures when we when when we mess up, when we stumble. It's who we turn to that makes all the difference of whether or not we're going to make it or not. But these men that we had mentioned here in these passages of Scripture, you know, some were tax collectors, some were fishermen. You know, they had jobs like you and me. They were ordinary men just like us. And God chose them. Jesus went and he looked at them and he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me. And they followed him. Now, we don't read where they argued with him. They don't read. We don't read where they struggled with it. But when we think about the things that they battled, they're flesh and blood, just like you and me. And I'm sure that when Jesus said, I want you to drop everything that you're doing and I want you to follow me. And it says and they followed him. And so when I accepted Christ here in this spot right here, I just, I made a commitment. I said, Lord, I'm gonna follow you. I don't know where this path is gonna lead. I don't know what's gonna happen, but I'm gonna follow you. And it was at that moment, at that spot in 2007, that changed my life. Yeah, true. It changed my life and it's everything that's happened from then on has led me to this point. Now, I don't yeah. know what would have happened had I not done that, but I know I'd be without Jesus. I know I'd be lost without Christ. And who knows what would have happened? But at the same time, when we look at these men, they didn't fully understand what they were doing. They didn't fully understand what it meant to follow Christ at this time. Because when I got saved in in this spot, I didn't fully understand what it meant to follow Christ. It didn't mean that I regretted my decision, but I knew that something in my life, I knew I needed something in my life that was different than anything that I'd ever had, than anything that I'd ever experienced, because there was a void here in my heart There was a void here in my heart that I tried to fill with all sorts of different things and nothing worked. And so it was when I finally asked Jesus to fill that void is when I finally felt full. You know, there's there's moments of sadness. There's moments of anger. There's moments of happiness. And the thing about those things is they're just emotions and those things wear off. But the joy that filled my heart that morning, the joy that filled here, no matter what happens, that's going to be there. That's going to stay. And that's something that the devil has no right to take. And so when I picked when, when when I got up and I went and sat back down, I walked away with joy, something that the world has no right to. And it's that joy that has got me through every single trial, every single moment of anger, every single moment of sadness, whatever it is. It's in that moment that I knew that I had something of substance. And that word substance means solid. And I had something solid, something that I'd never had before. And yeah. something that I, didn't, I was searching for. I didn't know what I was searching for up until that moment. But I wanted to be full. And I wanted to have that assurance. And I had that. And through the years, that's what's gone with me. So whenever God calls us to a job, when he's called me to do something, it's that substance. It's that joy that's been the foundation of everything that I've done. And it's what's kept me following him. It's the cross. It's nothing else. It can't be because of people. It can't be because of anything else other than the cross. That's the thing that draws us. It has to be the thing that draws us. Because if it's anything else, then eventually we're going to wear out and we're gonna stop running this race. And so when these men were called to follow him, they got up and they followed him. And I'm sure I like to think of what was going through their hearts and minds as they followed him. And I'm sure they were talking amongst themselves like, what are we doing? Where are we going? But they knew in their hearts, they knew that we need to follow him. And when they did, their lives were going to be changed. And the world was gonna be turned upside down through Christ, through these men. And it says in Hebrews eleven six 6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Right. And that word diligent, it means doing something thoroughly well with great care, a tireless perseverance in pursuit of something or someone, a tireless perseverance. That word perseverance is mentioned one time in the Bible and it's mentioned next to prayer. And so that's the other thing. When we are pursuing something, we have, to be pers- we, have to be, we have to persevere in it. We have to want to follow. We have to want to persevere. We have to want to overcome. We have to want to grow because that cost is heavy at times. That burden is heavy at times. And there's going to be times where we feel like laying it down. There's going to be times where we feel like quitting. There's going to be times where we feel like saying, I can't go anymore like Elijah did when he was ready to be done, when he didn't see the results that he wanted. And sometimes, a lot of times in life, we're not going to see the results that we want. Especially in teaching kids and teachers here know that when you're teaching kids, you've got to play the long game with it. You're playing the long game because if you want to see results now, right now, sometimes it's not going to happen. And I don't have it all perfected when it comes to teaching kids or anything in life at all. But I know that in teaching kids that there's going to be some that no matter how hard you study, no matter how hard you prepare, they're just going to do what they want. Sometimes they're just going to do what they want. But at the same time, we have to play the long game with our kids because the devil also plays the long game with our kids because he's waiting. It's also those times when we follow Christ with whatever it is with teaching. I'm just using that as an example. It's what God's called me to do. It's part of what God has called me to do. And so in teaching kids, sometimes the devil will whisper and say, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. They're just going to not listen. They're going to fall away and they're going to go out into the world and they're going to do what they want anyway. So why bother even teaching them? But that's what he wants. But the thing is, the devil knows, as we saw these kids sing, there's something about a child following Christ. There's something about a child singing for Christ. There's something about a child um, living for Christ because we know that they do it because it's right. They do it because it's the right thing to do. And there's something real. There's something powerful in watching a child pray. There's something powerful about listening to a child read from scripture. There's something powerful about watching a child just live for Christ because they know that it's the right thing to do. They're doing it from their heart and they're fearless when they do it. And I've learned a lot from watching them. But we have to play the long game, even in life when we are when we're doing whatever God has called us to do, because anything worth doing when we look, when we plant, when we plant seeds, sometimes the fruit takes a while to bear. Sometimes the fruit takes a good fruit, that is. And when we're teaching kids, you know, we're planting seeds and we're letting God do the watering. And there may be a lesson that we teach that they may not get until they're in their 20s or 30s and all of a sudden that light bulb clicks and they're like, I remember this. And so those are the things, and the kids, they can't see that right now. The kids can't see that. And it's hard and we want them to see that. But at the same time, we're playing the long game and we have to be prayerful and we have to be perseverant in what we're doing. We have to persevere. Because the devil, he is waiting. He is waiting to just fill our kids' hearts and minds with the things of this world. He's patient. He's waiting. He's sly. He's cunning. He's very patient. And he's more powerful than us. But we serve a God that's more powerful than him. And that's who we follow. That's who the disciples decided to follow. And at one point, he said, we see Jesus alone praying with his disciples. And he asked them a question. He said, whom say the people that I am? He's like, who do they say that I am? And Jesus wasn't asking them this question because he didn't know. But he was asking them this question because he wanted to hear it from them. Just like our prayers. He doesn't have to. We, he knows our thoughts. Yes, he, does. he knows our thoughts. He just wants to hear us say it because that's how God works. He could choose any method that he wanted to. The God who created the heavens and the earth, yeah. the God who hung the moon and hung the stars and created everything and all this, we see evidence of a creator and creation all around us. When right. we look in this building, somebody had to build this. Right. Somebody had to create yeah. it. Jesus, the profession that he chose was the job of a carpenter, somebody who creates things, yeah. somebody who makes things. He could have chosen any profession, but he chose the job of a creator, of a carpenter. And I think there's some pretty good application in there. I think that's awesome. And my mind it shows who he was appealing to when he came down he appealed to everybody but it shows his it shows his character his humility of what he was trying to represent what he was trying to bring but the thing is the God who chose who created everything decided to his method of getting things done was to work through us yeah was to work through us because we're God's hands and feet. And that the, the devil, he will try to whisper things into our to try to get us to stop doing what he wants us to do because he knows the power in what God can do through us. Not of our own power, but he knows what God can do through us. And the thing is, he said, Whom say the people that I am? And he said... The disciples say, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Others say you're one of the old prophets that have risen from the dead. And he says, but who do you say that I am? It's like, I don't care about what everybody else says. And that's why it's so important that you know who Jesus is for yourself. And that's a question that we constantly have to go to every single day. And Paul said he had to die daily. We have to constantly renew our faith every single day constantly be renewing our faith. We need to be assured every time we wake up, we know who Jesus is. Every time we lay our head down, we have to know who Jesus is. And so Jesus, then he proceeds to tell them, he proceeds to tell them that he's going to have to go through some of the worst kind of pain and suffering and humiliation imaginable as a man. And he's speaking to his disciples here as he's asking them this. He's speaking to his disciples because he's telling them that there's going to be persecution that comes. He's talking about himself and eventually he's foreshadowing what they're going to have to go through. But he's going to go through it first so that we can have the ability to sustain it when we go through it. Whatever it is that we have to go through, he went through it first and even worse. So whatever we're going through, whether it's kidney stones... (laughs) And I felt like I was dying when I had those things. And so the thing is, that doesn't even compare to what Jesus went through. That doesn't even compare to what some of you guys have went through. But at the same time, whatever it is, Jesus has went through it first and he's been through worse. And so that's why it has to be the drawing power of the cross that sustains us in this walk. Who do you say that Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? I know who he is in my heart, but you have to answer that question because you're going to stand before him, not me. So he's speaking to his disciples. And the thing is, when you look at the cross, there's suffering, there's rejection, there's pain. There's all those things, but there's also hope. Amen. The cross represents all of those things, and that's what we have to draw to. He's speaking to them, and also at the same time, he's speaking to us because these are things that we're going to have to go through, maybe not on the same level that they went through, but we may have to, and we have to be ready, we have to be prepared for when the time comes. As I said, this is an election year, and we know that in America now, election years are just, you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. And I think right now our country is divided culturally. And I think we're split right down the middle when it comes to our founding Judeo-Christian principles. When it comes to those things, we're divided. But that's what we were founded on. Those are the things that united our founders. They all had differences. They all had differences. But those are the things that united them. They said, we need to build a country on these Christian principles. And that's what they used. So what unites us today as a church, we come here and we gather in Jesus name. We unify in Jesus name. That's what we gather in. That's the only thing that you can unify us. And when they gathered in that upper room, they were counting the cost. All those 120 men and women, they were gathering and they were counting the cost and they were prepared in their hearts and minds of what they were going to have to go through because they saw what Jesus went through. They counted the cost and they said, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it to go out there and preach this gospel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it is. Amen.
0: The man that went before us, the man that hung on the cross, that endured the suffering and the shame, went before us. He left all of heaven, not just to die for us, but to live for us. And you Amen. know, it's sometimes it's easy right. for us to say that we'll die for a cause. I shouldn't say easy, but maybe easier Than to say we'd live for a cause because when you have to live for a cause that goes back to that word diligent and perseverance we have to be diligent in seeking God every single day who is he to you and we have to persevere every single day so when we live for something or when we live for somebody in Christ in this instance then we have to persevere. We have to be diligent in our pursuit of him. We have to be humble in our pursuit of him and realize that we don't have it all figured out, that we need him in everything that we do. We can't do it alone, and we need each other in this, regardless of where we're at. We have different denominations represented here tonight. But yet our underlying unified unity is Jesus. We come together in Jesus' name. That's what unifies us. And we need each other in this life to help bear one another's burdens because we can't do it alone. We can't let pride divide us. And the disciples, when they gathered in that upper room, they counted the cost and they said, we're going to go out and we're going to turn the world upside down with the gospel message. And many of them ended up paying the ultimate price, ended up paying the suffering, the ultimate cost. And that was with their life. And in Luke 9:22. He says, the son of man must suffer many things, be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. So we have suffer, we have rejected, we have slain. These are things that he came down to do for us, to live for, he lived for us. And he died for us. I can't think of anybody else that's done that for me in the way, in that way. And as we said, he gives them a glimpse of what they'll have to go through themselves. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the grace of God is costly because it costs Christ his blood and it will cost us everything, maybe, maybe even our lives. And there's a few things here. I'm going to go through them very quickly of, of things that I think when we follow Christ, there are certain things that we have to keep in mind. And the first one is there are conditions to following Christ. That's self-denial and living right. Not living perfect, but living right. In Matthew 16, 24, says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And when we think of that word sanctified, it means set apart. When I knelt down here... And I asked God into my heart. He set me apart. That's what separates us from the world. Sanctification. It it sets us apart from the world. Taking up your cross. There's suffering and humiliation. There are conditions. And we have to be willing to count those costs. Are we willing to endure those things? The second thing is that there's a commission. Not only are there conditions to follow in Christ. But there's a commission. When we follow him. He's given us a commission. He said, go ye therefore teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whosoever I have commanded you to teach all nations and teaching them. That word teach or teaching is mentioned twice here. So that should show us something, which means with teaching, we're always growing, we're always learning. Amen. And the thing is, in teaching, we learn. And in in learning, we we teach others. We learn learn from our own teachings as well. I've learned from many that have uh, gone on before me. And we're always learning. We're always growing. We should never stop learning and growing. And a disciple basically is a dedicated follower of Christ. And that's why that word disciple, it takes Christian to the next level. It takes it to another level. Yeah. but we have costs. That means surrendering all things for Christ. We have conditions, we have costs. And again, Bonhoeffer said, the grace of God is costly because it costs Christ his blood. And he also said, he said, I have come to the conclusion that I made a mistake in coming to America and Bonhoeffer was a man who gave his life for the sake of the gospel. He escaped Nazi Germany and he made it over to America, but it didn't sit well with him knowing that those that he knew, his family, his friends, were facing the persecution of Nazi rule over in now Nazi-occupied Germany or Europe. And so he's sitting here and he's safely in America and he's writing this letter to those that have given him safe haven over in America so that he can continue to help the church in Europe. But it did he couldn't sit in peace knowing what his family and friends were going through he said i have come to the conclusion that i've made a mistake in coming to america he said i must live through this difficult period in our national history with the people of germany i will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of christian life in germany after the war if i do not share the trials of this time with my people christians in germany will have to face the terrible alternative of either willing the defeat of their nation in order that Christian civilization may survive or willing the victory of their nation and thereby destroying civilization. He said, I know which of these alternatives I must choose, but I cannot make the choice in security. And so on April 9th, 1945, he was hanged, 21 days before the fall of Nazi Germany. So he made the choice to go back and get right in the middle of this fight. But he paid for it with his life. But the thing is about Christianity, the worst thing that can happen to us in this life is the best thing. Yeah. And he knew that he counted the cost and he said, you know what? My heart is right.
1: That's right.
0: I know where I'm at. That's right. So I'm going to cast out all fear. I'm going to cast out all doubt and really perfect love casted out all the fear in his heart and mind. Yeah. And he said with a calm heart and mind, he went back to Nazi Germany and faced the fire. So are we willing to count that cost? Are we secure in our faith? Do we know where we stand without a shadow of a doubt? It doesn't mean that we don't have doubts and fears, as I said. But are we living in doubt and fear? Does it control us? And finally. After we had the there's conditions, there's a commission, there's costs. And finally, the payoff is what we look forward to. The payoff is what keeps us going, and that's our eternal reward. That's the crown. That's that crown. And we see here Paul has encouraging words to Timothy as he knows he's ready to depart from this life. And he tells Timothy, he said, preach the word in verse 2. And then in verse 3, he says, endure sound doctrine. And then down in verse 5, he says, endure afflictions. And then in verse 8, he says, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. So you see what he tells Timothy. He says to preach and then endure, endure, which means just as Jesus told the disciples, there's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be affliction. Paul is telling Timothy the same thing. And I love looking at Paul and Timothy. I love looking at their relationship I love looking at Paul being older in the Lord, Timothy being younger in the Lord. I've always enjoyed studying their relationship and what Paul saw in Timothy and what Timothy saw in Paul. But he said, endure sound doctrine. That means make sure he, he's telling him, he's like, there's going to be some that come along that's going to wrongly divide God's word, he says rightly divide God's word. That means there's a wrong way to divide it. Endure sound doctrine. Make sure you're preaching, not only preaching, but preaching Right. Preaching the word of God, not preaching anything, because Paul said there's not another gospel. He said, preach, preach right. Endure afflictions, because as you preach sound doctrine, you're going to have persecution come your way. When you stand for what is right, right. you're going to have persecution come your way. Are you willing to endure the mockery? Are you willing to endure the humiliation? Are you willing to endure the suffering? Are you willing to endure all of those things? Financial loss, loss of friends, loss of job, whatever it may be. Are you willing to endure those things? Because you may have to pay for you may have to suffer the cost with all of those things. You may even have to pay with your life. That's right. Those are all things that are on the table. But our reward is not of this earth. It's not the riches of this world but it's that crown of righteousness. In Hebrews 11one i I'm going to end with this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then in that, that, that book, chapter 11, says these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. But now they desire a better country. Yeah. That is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he hath prepared for them a city. And through all of that, through all of that, in Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. That's the comfort that we have that helps us endure all of these things. So I pray that you have that comfort and encouragement here tonight.
1: I was just sitting there thinking. You know, one of the things you've heard me say is in the book of Job, it talks about things that science, it took a long time for them to figure out. Job talks about the water cycle, you know, how it rains and it goes up in the clouds and goes down and way before scientists figured this out. And I was just thinking as Nick was preaching uh, in business leadership books today, uh, they tell you that the best leader is a servant leader. And it took them 2,000 years to figure out what Jesus said in two words. Follow me, right? That's what he said. Amen. Follow me. I'll go first. You follow me. That's why yeah, we're looking yeah. unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, That's right. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We're following him. But then as disciples, teaching others, we're then taking the lead so others can follow us as well. That's good. That's good, Nick. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge when you have people behind you and you're leading and you're setting example because we've got to do it in what? Obedience, righteousness, and love. Right? It's a challenge. So we're going to open up the altar.